come in, come in. This is the fourth of our series on strategic planning. This week, worship, we're going to do a little review. Let me remind you, next week is the picnic. Next week is the picnic, so there's no Sunday school at this hour. You can go home and change or get ready or whatever you need to do, and then come to Leon and Bev Johnson's place. Uh, Leon, of course, has really been suffering from uh, sciatica and uh, has actually been had to lay down in the midst of a lot of action that he usually likes to be involved in. So he's really been struggling with the sciatica issue of some seriousness. So next week, no Sunday school, go to the picnic and meet us there and have a big time. Let's pray as we start. Father, we do thank you for this day, this beautiful day you've given us, and for the day of worship, the time of worship that we could have together. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and pray that you know the future and hold the future in your hands, that you will help us uh, to uh, follow you into that future and to do what you would call us to do. Give us uh, wisdom and unity, we pray this day in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Just a brief review. This is the fourth pillar having to do with worship. We've done the other three. If you want to check other churches' websites, you will find in their purpose statements or their vision statements these same main building blocks, the first of which was community or fellowship. And, of course, we talked about the challenge that we faced there regarding distance and getting people connected over uh, busy lives and uh, large uh, geographical distances. Challenges that we hope to meet with the addition of several new small groups. And there is a meeting today following this hour among uh, the, the small group uh, participants and those who have expressed an interest in it and could make today's meeting. The elders assigned to that area are Lyle Beal and Jeff Shields. And they will be helping to coordinate that ministry. But we are inviting the involvement of as many as, as would like to be involved in helping to establish uh, home groups of one kind or another, perhaps for prayer, perhaps for Bible study, perhaps for fellowship, for various times, meeting at various times and places. So that's the building community piece. That we see as one of our greatest needs. Secondly, we talked about outreach. And we talked about one of our challenges is to have a, an expanded plan, a specific plan beyond what we're doing now. We have Bible school, we have the Fall Festival, we have a few other things, but we need to have a, a more uh, specific plan. And we said that it might even involve some overlap with these small groups such that the small groups might be inviting people to them that are not ordinarily or regularly a part of the Grace Church community. And we want them to be involved as well. And that might be a way for us to reach out. But at any rate, we need to have a specific plan. And so we ask that you pray with us about that. And then we'll, uh, if you are interested in the outreach piece, Tony uh, Arita gave that presentation. And Tony serves on the missions committee along with Kevin. If you'd like to be involved in helping to plan and prepare the greater outreach efforts, then see them, see me, and, and we'll, we'll get you plugged in. Last week we talked about Christian education and we saw that Christian education has been a, an emphasis of the congregation since its earliest days. And uh, that continues, but we still, the ongoing uh, challenge is to continue to renew that, adding new classes, replacing those teachers that, that, that can no longer do it, or helping in the nursery, various things to just keep us emphasizing in that, in that area. 
And if you would like to be involved in teaching or helping with Christian education in some way, again, you would see Kevin and Tony. They particularly focus on that area. Today is worship. And today we come to uh, that area of, of worship, the fourth pillar of the church that has to do with, uh, with worship. I should say, too, before I get to that, that we are planning, uh, the session still has to approve this, but Kevin and I are proposing a certain curriculum that will be available for gifts discovery in the church. It's one that's been well tested, and uh, I, I think compares well to other items that are out there. There are a number of books and instruments on gifts discovery, and uh, if things go as we're encouraging them to, we want to try to have a a curriculum of gifts discovery for available to everyone, either online or on the paper form over the next several weeks as we start into the fall season. I want to talk to you, say a little bit about worship, and then these fellows will, will be helping take it from there. Um, as you know, there's been some controversy. And they say whenever two or three Christians are gathered in his name, there will be controversy. Uh, and, and so, you, you know, this isn't the only thing that there's been controversy over. But when uh, Joe left at the end of January, it caught us a little bit unprepared. We, he didn't give us a lot of notice, and then the holidays were there. And so uh, we took some temporary measures, uh, a bit hastily perhaps, but nevertheless. And uh, as a result, there have been some controversies, and I wanted to do what I can at the beginning to try to clear or clarify those much as possible. There are several things that have not changed. Um, one of these arise out of the fact that we haven't, the changes that we've made have been set, have been, as we said at the beginning, of an impermanent nature. We're trying things, we're experimenting, we're making some inroads and efforts to try to see what would work and what wouldn't work for us. So there are no permanent conclusions that have been reached. Uh, that I know of anyway, as far as what changes will be made of, a, of an enduring nature. Uh, there have been no changes in terms of music leadership permanently decided, or style. There have been some tweaks, but nothing has been resolved. Uh, our, our commitment to God-centered worship has not changed. We have always sought to be God-centered in our worship. I think we've made some progress there. And, uh, uh, many of the past songs that we've used before, we continue to use. There have been some changes in the music, but not only haven't they been permanent, but they haven't been completely sweeping either. The uh, pulpit and worship team placement has not been changed. Now you say, wait a minute, the pulpit's on the right, it used to be on the left. But that, we're still in an experimental phase, let me say again. And while you can't move that stuff easily every week, uh, don't think that because it's there that we've been, that's all the changes we would make to the chancel or that's all the permanent things that would be done. What has changed is session involvement in the worship ministry. Um, it, we've moved from more passive to more active involvement in the issues and practices of worship, which is something that I really applaud. It, it's, it's, it's challenging to get involved in the ministries of the church at any level, whether as a non-officer or as an officer. But as an officer, it's especially challenging. And that has changed. The session over the years, and 20 years or so of the church, had taken a more passive approach to our worship services. That has changed. Uh, 
we have one another thing that's changed is that there has been some experimentation. There have been some visual changes, some some alterations, some trying, and that uh, also is. But as I say, is is non-permanent. Uh, the company has changed a bit at times. The pulpit arrangements. And along the way, some relations have been strained, and uh, we're still in the process of working through that. We want those uh, relationships to be healed and reconciled. We exceed that, and, uh, and yet we have to move at God's pace. Um, it would have been better if we had a clearer plan in January, uh, but moving from passive to active takes a while, and it's not something um, Working in the church, serving in the church, is really not like anything else that you would do. There's no way to be really, uh, no, there's nothing like the job of a pastor. There are some things that are similar, and I would say an elementary school principal is one of them. Can I say amen to that? Yeah. There's no. How about leading an old folks home? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nothing like stepping into the pulpit and stepping into the pastoral ministry. You, you can have worked a lot of years, as many have, in military and, and corporate world and been quite successful, but they soon find that this is a, this is a horse with another color. This is very good. And, and likewise, our elders have been involved in outside ministry and work uh, at various kinds, but stepping into church ministry is not easy requires a certain amount of experience. And how do you get that experience? There's nowhere to get the experience except on the job, except doing it. Consequently, mistakes are made from inexperience or from haste. Uh, but so far as I, I could certainly assert to you today, I have never sensed any malice. Maybe some has been attributed. Maybe some has been alleged. But I don't want to be a part of that. And if I had sensed that malice and disruption was the purpose of this, then I certainly would have acted differently than I did. I have tried as pastor to help manage these changes myself very imperfectly. But I'm thankful for all the years of experience I had before I got here, because this, this has been a challenging one, which gets at the reason for 20-some years the devil has had an inroad in our worship services. And not in one person, or not in one style, or not in one phase, but it has been an ongoing problem that I noticed when I came and that I've been working on for 13 years. And I guess you'd say I'm defeated or I'm, I, I'm winless in that sense because all the problems haven't been resolved. But I see now, as a result of your prayers and the change, the, the the uh, attempts at a greater ministry and more active ministry, I see that we we may be well on our way towards breaking the devil's hold on the church. Now, I don't want to go into all of that. I'm not saying that everyone involved in the worship ministry was, was of the devil. Of course not. <laughs> Certainly not. But he just had a way with us. And I've seen it in the other congregations I've served, not in the worship ministry, but in other aspects of the church. The devil wants to find a foothold. He wants to find a way in. And once he finds a way in, he stays there and causes disruption as long as he can. Inadequate communication. We said at the beginning that we weren't going to be making a lot of changes, but these changes were temporary, and any changes you saw had not been decided on. That is still true. But maybe we didn't say that often enough. And the appearance, you know, the optics of it all, makes it seem like because you didn't move the pulpit, that must be where it's going to be. 
Well, no, but I don't want to walk in the pulpit every Sunday morning or have Kevin walk in the pulpit every Sunday morning and say, hey, we might move this next week. I mean, that's off the subject. That's off the point. So what, what we would like to do is not call a lot of attention to this, pro to this process, but just move on through it. Um, so uh, we are, in the, as I say, in the process of trying to work through any, any issues regarding reconciliation that we can. In recent days, uh, some decisions have been made on, again, a short-term basis. Uh, Sarah Crandall will be coming back uh, un under a little new uh, job description, but she'll be playing the piano at least for October, November, and December. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes and work with that. Uh, also, uh, Phil has come back from Mexico with his bride and has agreed to serve as kind of the coalescing influence uh, on the leadership of the worship services. Not that he would lead every Sunday, that would be a change. But for now, he's been having an impact and will continue to. We're hoping to invite other, all the others back in. We've, we've spoken to many of them. Uh, and along the way, we have forged a, an article that we'll be giving you at the end of the session today that speaks about some of the thoughts that we've had uh, in, in the matter of worship, to try to clarify and move ahead, that sort of thing. So I want to give some time now to our outline and let Brian, Brian's going to speak first and speak a little bit about the outline. And uh, we ask for your prayers. We're continuing to move ahead. I appreciate the intentional involvement of the session members to help us move forward. And we apologize for any anything that you know, we may have miscommunicated, but we want you to know that we love you and we want to move ahead in, in unity. So go ahead, Brian. Thanks. Um, I appreciate Steve's uh, <coughs> remarks there to kind of set the context. And before we pass out, we'll pass the, out the, uh, the strategic plan uh, outline uh, momentarily to add just a little bit more context to worship. Uh, no, the worship service, it, it's a broad thing. It, it's very big, and it, it uh, has several elements to it. So we're going right to Scripture, as you would expect, to say, you know, what is, what is worship? And how the service unfolds. Um, Brian uh, Chapel wrote a book that's been very, very good for, for me to read, um, not having delved into worship nearly as Kevin and Steve would now, this has been a great book, and uh, I am uh, kind of throughout, it's a high-level idea of maybe in the spring semester, of having a spring class on worship to kind of go through some of this book, some of great articles about what is worship in, the, in, the, in the, the Christian church. So we are looking at maybe doing that in the uh, spring, but Brian Chapel makes this really interesting yet so obvious point. And it's not about just the gospel is preached, but the gospel is worship. How we worship, how the worship service unfolds is the gospel story. And we get to go through that every Sunday. So the elements of that, it's, many of you will go, yep, yeah, I get that, I, I realize that from the front. But for me, it was, it was, it was almost a light bulb going off. Typically, our services are going to open with adoration, moving to confession, assurance of pardon, thanksgiving, petition, instruction, 
the charge and the blessing. And it all makes sense that we come in to praise our God corporately as a brothers and sisters in Christ. And because God is worthy of that praise, it really highlights our unworthiness, which drives us to confessing our sin. And then the assurance of pardon despite our sinful our sinfulness. That God has promised that and has given that to us. Our natural response in the worship service is thanksgiving. We should be giving praise and thanksgiving. So because we know this God, we trust this God, this God delivers on his promise to us, we petition. We raise up the concerns for our country for our church, for our missions, for our outreach, for our discipleship and teaching, for our building community. So we petition our God, who is trustworthy and faithful, to, to help us. We, we then thirst, of course, for the word of God. And that's the instruction. We should hunger and thirst for that. By the time we get to that part of the service, we should be hearts and minds totally focused. And then from that teaching, we're given the charge. So worship should impact our minds, our hearts, and impact our wills to go out and impact the world of Christ. Without our worship being so sound and following this kind of order, and it's not the only order, some of these pieces can be, certainly be moved around, but these are the key elements. Our outreach will not be Solid. Our teaching and discipleship will not bear fruit. And our building community will also not, not flourish if our worship isn't there. So really being embedded in this worship, being intentional and personal about every aspect of it is where we are going. And of course, we get the blessing at, at the end. So I wanted to kind of add that as a context. So as we look at worship... We're not thinking only one element. We're not thinking, uh, oh, it's just this one thing, or, you know, I'm really all about the uh, sermon. No, the whole thing is important, from beginning through the end. Uh, so I think we're ready to kind of distribute what we have. This will be our agenda for today, much like the past three weeks, and we'll go through and highlight some of the things that the session has been focused on and, and looking at what is important to our church? What do, how do we want to look at worship? And these are the things that we have found through a lot of uh, study, discussion, going to the Word. You know, what does God tell us about worship? So, uh, again, we're, we're, we're looking forward. A lot of these things are going to say, yep, this is in place. And I see us working toward these. Uh, but as, as uh, Steve has said... It's a bit of it that we're still we're still trying out. We're still looking at how can we enhance our worship to be even more impactful. Up, uh, certainly at the top, as all of the uh, other pillars have, with our goal. So the goal of worship here at Grace is to foster reverent, vibrant, and 
biblical worship on Sunday morning. The object. Because we're looking at the particular worship service. Yes, there may be other opportunities, and some have actually been discussed in, uh, in our meetings, uh, that there might be other opportunities to also uh, maybe have something on a Sunday night, to have uh, things during the uh, week as well. But for the context of this, we're really focusing on the, the regular worship service that, that we but that's not to say, oh no, no, we'll never do, we'll never have something in, in the evening uh, at all, because it's actually being talked about. Good so this way. is a congregational worship service part of it. Yes. Not necessarily yeah. right. all aspects of the church worship. Right, right. And all of our work, everything that we do is worshiping God. So yeah, there, there is a broader context, and the church will be doing more of that. But this will be the congregational worship uh, that, we, that we know and love. Uh, so we strive for excellent, intentionally crafted services that contain the biblical elements of worship. And those biblical elements are A through G. So before we start uh, going into any of the sub-information, the biblical elements are congregational singing and music, proclamation of the word, rich celebration of sacraments in line with our theology, Prayer, confession and repentance, affirmation of faith and creeds, monetary offerings. And a lot of that uh, you, you heard as I went through that list of how our worship uh, unfolds. A lot of this, I mean, you can see where the biblical foundation is there. Um, if we go back to the congregational singing and, and music, there are just four points that we're focusing on uh, about our congregational um, singing and music. One is we really want to be very intentional about participation of everyone with singable tunes and keys. We want to be very focused on availability of the music for all to read and use in the bulletin. We want to be focused on blended music style, traditional and modern. And we want to be focused on Christ-centered, God-focused lyrics. Um, which again, it all makes sense, right? It's, it's what we should be about. Uh, Keith Getty, uh, in an interview, had said, we sing the uh, gospel. You know, so it's rich in its content. In both traditional and contemporary music, you find very rich lyrics, and those are the things that, that we're focused on. Uh, so there is a blend. Uh, there has, all, has always been a blend, and we're going to continue to have a blend of, of music. Um, any, uh, I'll be stopping here and there to see if you know Kevin or David um, have any additional points around any of these things that I'm kind of going through here. Good. All right. Um, the second is the proclamation of the word. And again, that, of course, relieves to our mind about the reading of, of scripture. The sermons would be faithful to the text and rooted in reformed theology and applicable in concrete situations in life. And I think that that's what, what we have. We're used to, to getting that. We can't take it for granted. We, we have been blessed to have um, Kevin and Steve Preaching exactly like this 
for our edification and for you know the application of how does scripture really impact our lives. So we, um, we, we've been getting this very consistently. And testimony of God's faithfulness. It would be interesting, and we have had this um, every so often. I remember one in particular, but it would be great to hear um, the testimony of our brothers and sisters from time to time. Uh, many won't necessarily feel comfortable getting up and sharing their testimony to the entire church, but that would be that would be that application. That would be somebody getting up and saying, "This is how the gospel has impacted me and changed my my life by God's grace." It'd be wonderful to be able to infuse that. I would say a little bit more uh, than we have in, in the past. Something that we can build toward. The uh, rich celebration of the sacraments in line with our theology, of course, communion and baptism. And prayer. This is one where we really emphasize, you know, we talk about congregational singing, but this is congregational prayer. When you hear everybody's praying, everybody's reading, and it's so unified, and we are, we're proclaiming um, our prayers, our praise, it might be uh, praying together, um, something we Catechism. I mean, these are these are great things for us to say together as a unified body of believers. We also, of course, have the prayer, uh, typically led by one of the uh, elders, that prays for you know national concerns, prays for local issues, prays for priorities here in our church, and prays for the brothers and sisters in Christ here in our congregation. Uh, family members are often included. Uh, who might not be part of this con congregation in particular. Uh, but praying together is very important. Can I just say something right here? <coughs> Absolutely. I really appreciate the congregational reading. Uh, the congregation reads very well, very articulate, and the good news is we have a sanctuary that's designed to make that happen. But I really, it's moving to me to hear the congregation read the scripture together. I think it's it's great, and we do it well. And we do it, and we do it in a number of different ways too. So that's that's nice. You know, sometimes it's with responses, responsorial psalms, if you will, uh, and sometimes they are just longer, longer prayers. Um, absolutely, totally agree. Uh, the affirmation of faith in creeds, and we've done this from time to time, where we look um, at different catechisms and and share those during our services. And of course, we go into the monetary offerings in Thanksgiving. Uh, and that's where it falls in our services, is really promotes that it's out of Thanksgiving, recognizing God's uh, abundant provision for us that we then give. Uh, Kevin, Steve, David, any, anything on any of those items? I would just emphasize um, <coughs> that these are the biblical elements of worship. So, you know, we can't, I mean, for some, you could point to, you know, we could have looked up scripture to say, this is where we see prayer in corporate worship. This is where we see the sacraments in corporate worship. But that's, that's implicit here, is this idea that this is what a church who wants to worship according to the Bible, these are the elements. Now, churches will emphasize them differently. They'll move them around, you know, all of that. But, but um, there are things that are missing from other church traditions that we don't think are biblical. There are things that 
you know, we do that other churches may not emphasize as much, but I think I would just, I just wanted to emphasize that that, you know, these, through the whole sweep of scripture, this is how the Bible describes corporate worship, if that makes sense. So. Can I just add one thing? Uh, I go into some churches and the worship is a performance. For us, worship is participation. And I think that's very important. I would say too, Brian, this first list under number one uh, could be done just by going through the motions, but you get to number two, and you see that we're aiming more than just getting down through a checklist. There's engagement here, so go ahead. No, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, these are, uh, they're all woven. Um, and uh, so number two is to engage the whole person. And I briefly mentioned mind, heart, and, and will. And, Can I ask uh, a question about number one before we move on? Sure. So when you say uh, rooted in Reformed theology, and maybe I'm the only one here, but why wouldn't you say we're rooted in uh, biblical principles or rooted in God's word or rooted in, you know, just as a kind of a general question maybe for, for everybody just to hit that point? Well, I think it does say the text, which means the biblical principles, but since we're a Presbyterian church and our understanding arises out of that, we're not trying to teach Reformed theology, but we're trying to be consistent with its teachings and, and, not, and not get out of, out of phase with, with that. So we're not just a Bible church. We are a Presbyterian church. And the, one, of our, one of our safeguards is that Reformed theology helps keep us within the, the ditches, on the rails. Okay. You know, not, not to the exclusion of the Bible. That's first. We would, we would like to... This one more thing about the testimony if you think people might not um, get up in front of the congregation to speak what about offering a spot in the grace line for people to write about it uh, mm-hmm. might be more open to doing that good idea yeah, absolutely yeah, Debbie's always looking for things for the grace fund. <laughs> <laughs> always. So, good things. Good things. Edifying <laughs> things. Things from the reports from the body, reports from mission trips, reports from uh, testimonies of God's faithfulness. What, yeah, yeah, that's. She's always looking to improve that uh, communication, and she can only work with what she gets. So you know, she asks people, "Hey, submit articles." And, uh, you know, so feel free to use that as a vehicle to, to share about your life and what Scott's done. Might be in the church, different things. Yeah. Are we, um, <laughs> it, only I don't one, know if this is past, what's that? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Only one question. He's <laughs> done. <laughs> no, I don't know if this is past the point of input. I might have missed that part, or if you're looking for feedback. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, on, on section 1B... B I, <laughs> which says applicable in concrete situations in life, and also the testimonies. Um, I just one request of mine. I think that discussing the Reformed theological background and scholarly debates, and you know uh, Trinitarian, you know theological imports of different things is is important maybe as a background. But sometimes to me it seems like we spend 90% discussing head knowledge 
and which is good to learn as a teaching kind of seminary theological class. Um, but I would just request and really request emphatically that the balance of head knowledge and heart, and I think testimonies get to that heart where you hear someone and the pain or something they went through and came out on the other side where God was faithful. Some of those stories really, that, that to me is what's going to um, bring healing to somebody that's hurting in the congregation or bring repentance to yes. a sinner that, that is yes. in the congregation or even revival to a, a faltering church or nation. Um, and so if we could balance the head knowledge and the scholarly debates and the the, the Greek meaning of the word of this and that and, and maybe put some more balance into really the heart and the application because it seems like that's thrown in in the last couple minutes of a sermon is after 90% of it has been all head knowledge. So that I, I know that that might be a little um, out oh, there to say, but, but that would be my request, really. Olin, if, if you don't mind, I certainly agree. And one of the things that music does when you use hymns, each hymn tells a story of someone's Christian True. walk. And so one of the reasons we don't skip verses in hymns because it's a story of someone's testimony. And our hymnal has 700 hymns that tell stories. And when we sing those together, it's another way, because it's music and it naturally moves through the head to the heart of you. It's a way to do that, to mm -hmm. apply those words. And so that's another way to reinforce. Right, and sometimes it would even help to say, here's the background of this hymn and, and, and who made it and why and their family, you know, like uh, it is well with my soul when his, and his wife and, ago, and children got killed across the sea. And, and three weeks ago we did that with cool. a love that will not let me go because it told such a lovely story of the right. So it's a wonderful No, I love that stuff. But Olin, I think that's, I mean, I want to hear that, that kind of feedback because I think it is helpful um, to, to get and to say, yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to focus too much on the, the details. Um, you know, that may be where I'm kind of wired to go is to get into the weeds, and it's good to be reminded, you know, hey, bring us back. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, so sorry. thank you. I'm, I'm being a little pride. But I think, I think one of the things, if we could pull back just a minute, not pull back up to the worship and number one if you look at it, it says strive for excellent uh, intentionality crafted services so part of that I think part of the desire if you go back a year part of the, of the desire from the session was to be was to be more proactive along with Steve and, and Kevin and intentional in what we do so for instance Rather than just sort of um, let things happen, we want it to be uh, proactive and intentional and, and try to um, make sure that we, hits on, we hit on all those cylinders, we get the emotion, we get the mind, and we get the soul. So we don't want to leave any uh, aspect of the worship uh, you know, out. We don't want to leave that out. We want to have a complete, holistic worship service. For, and for, forgive me, but that 
the implication then is that that was not occurring before. That's right. Well, and I think not. Not to. I, I just want to be clear that that the perception was that it was not intentional. That's right. Okay. And I, that's not a criticism of anyone who is involved. I think it was a sense of coordination. I think it was a sense of of does the sermon and the call to repentance and the, the songs that are involved in the call to worship, do they do they connect? Do they have a, do they have a theme? Is there is there are there things that are that are bringing those together? And I think um, that we were um, we weren't you know communicating well. I wasn't communicating well with Joe what he was what I was going to be preaching about, and Joe wasn't communicating with we, me about the songs or, you know, the different things. So I think we saw an area where we're like, you know, there's, there's room here for, for us to coordinate better so that the service flows together. And we, we're, we're not there yet. I mean, we're working towards that. And, and that, you know, is part of the whole idea of having a strategic plan was thinking more holistically Rather than being reactive to be to for the session and leadership, you know, working together to be more proactive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question about the the order of service and make a comment about it. I guess because how long has the bulletin at Grace EP had the order of service in it? Call to worship, songs of ascent, prayer of confession. All of that. Twenty-five years. So the point is, as far as, as far as I can remember, the 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 order that that was just put forth is the same order that we've had on the bulletin since the beginning. And 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 where I, why I make that point is why the emphasis now, twenty years down the road, what has been happening. We've obviously had the knowledge there of how we want this service to go. It should go like this. It should flow. The songs should fit. So that is nothing new. But what has been happening at this church that has kept that from being ineffective? Because now with changes that have been made, I sit in the congregation and I don't feel like this all makes sense now. And I shared before I feel like sometimes it's just an empty atmosphere in the sanctuary. And I've, I've almost got the sense of, I don't want to say this, like contrived. I mean, I don't want to say that in a pejorative kind of way, but that is the way I have felt. And so what is different about what we are saying now? What is new? And, and, and the thing I'm getting at is if, if, if our bulletin, if the order on the bulletin is good or bad or, or whatever, but it's not working, then that implies that the reason that worship is not, has not been working is inward. It's not external. And so I fear that we're, if, we're trying to, if we're trying to make things, plan them out, I mean, I'm not saying that's bad, but if we're, if we're relying on that to make our worship biblical, we're going to miss what he was just saying. You know, it's going to be 90%. This is, this is what we get from the Bible, theology. This is what we got some really good theologians who have said this. But then, but then what? 
you know? So if, if we focus on that, we miss ourselves, uh, you know, our, our role, our hearts. So that, that's, that's just a thought that I've had. And another one that I would say here with, with regard to the excellence is we, we're, it, it's stated there, strive for excellent, intentionally crafted services that contain these biblical elements. And on that list are more things than worship, than music rather. So how has the leadership, uh, I, I don't know, I've uh, focused on excellence in prayer. Are, are, is, is excellence in prayer, the congregational prayer, is that something that we have already and we don't need to worry about? No. And, is, no. and, and so, so why the emphasis on music so much? Because that's brought about a lot of strife in the church. And why not the same amount of emphasis on prayer? And, and the other things here, the affirmation of faith and creeds, the, the, the sacraments. Well, I, hey, you haven't, just from being in the, in the session meetings, the discussions have been, if you, if you were to say, if I was to ask you, hey, tell me, tell me about worship, you know, is, would you just say, would you just talk to me about the music? I would not. Exactly. And what I'm saying is, that, that neither does the session. So the music is just a component sure. of the worship service. And so like the congregational prayers, we've talked about that. Um, the, the order of service. Yeah, the bulletin, if you go back 25 years, it might have those three elements in the bulletin, but Steve and Kevin, we, they've, we've changed elements and moved the service around um, not in a in a way to to falsely promote uh, uh, emotional response. Sure. Uh, what what we're, uh, let me ask you: How many times have have we? How many times have, has somebody gotten up during the congregational prayer and asked for prayer requests? I can tell you. Just a few. How many? Uh, zero. One. Yeah. <laughs> guess who did it? And I'm just saying that if those are the kinds of things you're looking for, it's. It's, it, we're trying to do that, but to, to move in that direction takes, takes well, time. Well, what I, I guess the point that I'm making is that, is that all, the whole church has to, send, has to feel this and has to say, wait a second, it, is, is this something that maybe I'm doing wrong? Maybe I'm not understanding. Maybe, I mean, this isn't working. And, and how, is this, how is this going to be addressed? How, are, how is the whole church going to help the whole church to say, listen, you know, our prayers. For, for instance, I don't know if we've ever heard anybody talk about the congregational prayer. We need, we need to strive for X. What, what does that even mean? And how do we do that? How are we addressing that? And so I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if it hasn't been as effective as, it ha as we want it to be, I, I guess I would emphasize more on why it hasn't worked. Why hasn't it? Right, so and, and, and and then we we all have to understand why it hasn't worked, or we can't change it. We can't change what, our attitudes, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's it can't it can't just be like we got to get the right plan in place, you know. We all have to understand. What is the beginning? Well, I'd also like to pick. But but but, but but it, it's it's also, I mean, it is the beginning of the plan. Right. But but we're twenty years as a church. Why have we gotten off of something? Why have we not been doing it right since the beginning of the church? 
And, and we have, and that all that, require, that requires self-reflection. Why haven't I been doing this? Why haven't I been worshiping as I'm supposed to? Because that's basically what we're saying. The service has not been like it, like it should be. It hasn't been as spirit-filled as it should be. And we can't say it's the fault of the musicians, the fault of the leadership, it's the fault of the, the hymns, it's the fault of the contemporary music. It's, it's the fault of the heart. And I, I would say there's a, like a little thing that um, the last couple of weeks, and I was out the first time that Bill led several weeks ago, I think. But um, getting our heart, and Phil and I talked a little bit about this. We haven't gone in depth about it. But getting our hearts and minds ready for worship. And, and I was really struck last week because it something that I hadn't experienced here, and I think Michelle and I have been here for about a decade, was um, you know, closing the doors right at 9.30. I know the times have changed, but right at that start, close the doors, and the church was so quiet. And Phil said, you know, let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship. That was, you know, it was, uh, that was such a, a moving thing, and it was really quiet in there. And Bill and I have talked a little bit about it, and you know, there's ample opportunity in our bulletin. Like the cover has great something to re re reflect on. The opening, as you uh, and we do read that at the beginning of the service, but the inside the, the first that first page at the very top is a wonderful way to get focused. Uh, you know, looking at what are the readings that we're going to be doing, what are in the bulletin. Looking at some of the lyrics of those songs, the first that content is so rich. So preparing our hearts and minds for worship contributes to, I think, what, what, what Phil is saying, is why aren't our hearts and minds always prepared? And I know that we've also had some talks here in the church about, um, or there are great articles out there, you know, what do we do on Saturday? What do we do Saturday night in order to be ready for Sunday morning? You know, are we thinking about worship well before 9.30? Um, yeah, life happens. We don't get maybe to the service on time. You know, kids are kids and traffic is traffic. But our intention, our heart and mind, are we preparing for worship as a congregation? Maybe that's something that can be led to say, you know, prior to Sunday's service, here are some things you can re re reflect on during the week prior to the service in order to prepare our hearts and minds. So yeah, there are probably steps that would help us as a congregation be more prepared to come in and, and worship. Um, absolutely, absolutely. But right now we have a large number of people that don't come on time. Which again says, it starts Saturday night. There are some churches that have a meeting on Saturday night to get ready for worship. So they're ready to worship and come on time. So yeah, we have to it has a lot to do with, with when you come, what do you expect? I, I how you prepare. I think they're in South Africa now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> they have four kids. <laughs> well, it's easy for me. I'll be tired. <laughs> and the kids are gone. Right. I just, I just really want to echo and emphasize what you just said. There are a number of people that I have heard voice that exact same thing. And I have really appreciated what Phil has tried to do the last two weeks. You know, there is a time of prelude, and it has a purpose, and it has a spiritual purpose. And people are not either aware of it, or they're just not respecting it, or they don't, you know, understand its purpose or whatever. 
This church was designed with a narthex, narthex with closing doors for a purpose. And we can use those doors. <laughs> you know, and I agree with you. And, and as I said, I have heard this voice from n numerous people um, over the past while. But, you know, the service starts at 9.30. Close the doors. This morning, it was, or 9.25, there was a pianist or whoever the musician is. This morning, it was extremely loud out there. I personally, I like to come and, you know, we need to draw away. Just as before we enter into a time of prayer, we need a little bit of time to quiet our heart and our mind before we begin to pray, to consider who it is we're praying to and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing for worship. We have, you know, these things on the front of the bulletin. We have these things on the inside of the page. But it's not only that. I like to read the prayer that I'm going to pray corporately before I get to it. Otherwise, if I'm just suddenly, a blah, 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 it's read. I haven't even considered what I'm praying and what I'm asking God. You know, I haven't considered that confession until like a second before it starts because we need that time. So I would just, you know, I would, and the other thing too is, is we have musicians there and they are doing that as a service of worship to help us prepare for worship. And I feel like there's some disrespect when everybody's just, you know, chattering and nobody's paying attention to, you know, I don't even know how many people heard Phil this morning, but I really appreciate that effort and it has a great, great benefit. Just keep the doors shut all the time. <laughs> if people want to talk, they're out in the Northex. When they come in, it's time. Well, you know, but I think it's a little bit more than that, though. I think that we've actually, in America, we've actually... We don't know what it's like to really enter the Holy of Holies. Right. We should have been struck dead when we don't go in properly. And I think that's really what's happening. People are, to a certain degree, unchurched. They don't really have the reverence for God. I remember going to the Episcopal Church with Gloria. The first thing you do before you even enter, you know, enter the row, you, you, know, you, you, you kneel, you bow, you go in. So there's some things within the church that have actually been lost. And I think that, you know, I don't, it's, we need to reinforce, we need to, ed by educating, probably from the pulpit, about those certain things, the reverence for God. You know, the uh, article that we'll be passing out that um, talks a little bit of something you can take, take away with you, and I believe it's uh, Tim Keller said, yeah, we have to learn again how to worship. You know, that we have, to, to your point, Chuck, you know, over time, maybe we've gotten a little relaxed, and and um, you know, this is one of those areas uh, in America that is so busy that maybe we've lost our, our focus a bit. So we have to learn how to worship, and I think that that intentionality is important here. And uh, the strategic plan is not just to be this uh, technical document, but it's it's to help us have these conversations in a really kind of organized way um, to get back to you know, the heart of worship. You know, the first song is, you know, I'm here to, here I am to worship. You know, it's, you know, it's a great, beautiful start today. I just wanted you to flip the page and try to finish out if you can. We're running out of time. As I always do, even the Sunday school class. So yeah, um, so for uh, number three is uh, enjoy the diversity of the body of Christ. Uh, again, being very intentional about this, and some of the highlights here would be 
having that warm relational service to be a genuinely friendly church. That does start from the heart. Uh, a sense of unity, uh, welcoming to the spectrum of age and stage. Variety of service types, a number of different services. Um, you know, we have you know the A service, we talked about the, the B service, we have our missions services. In the past we've done youth focused uh, as well. We have some months have that fifth Sunday. We've been talking a little bit more about what might that be? You know, is that an opportunity for us? And then the celebrate, of course, the holidays of the church calendar, uh, Advent, Lent, Reformation Sunday. Uh, again, these are, are, are all great topics that the session is really trying to drive into. And again, not to have that checklist, but to get to that part of, of worship and to be welcoming to anybody who walks through our door. Um, the fourth was uh, improved coordination and communication of, uh, of worship ministries. Uh, Steve spoke really well about this. Uh, Kevin and uh, David have spoken to this too. Is sometimes it's that communication in the planning of worship that maybe hasn't been as tight. So let's, we're talking about how can we make that happen, maybe even having Let's plan the month. Let's sit down with the group that's involved and plan that, that whole month. Um, the supervisory elders of the session, uh, we have, do have that in place. Uh, David, Rob, and my, my, myself. Um, if you forget, you know, up, up to the back of the bulletin. Um, so anytime <laughs> if you have a question about worship or an idea, we welcome those. By all means, um, you know, reach out email, phone, phone call. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Uh, Steve spoke a little bit about ministry leaders coming next and what, what that is going to, to look like. And then the, uh, the tactic of assigning ministry committee for input and advice uh, in order to ensure that we're keeping the communication going. And we're going to try, we know that we can communicate better um, by using different, we have communication channels is kind of the term of, of art. We have the great spot. We have the, the uh, bulletin. We have uh, meetings. Small groups could be another avenue to keep the communication going about worship. So we're going to try to use all those avenues, come up with really strong communication strategies that will hit in a number of different ways. People receive information differently. So we want to be very in tune to how are we communicating uh, to ensure the whole congregation is involved. Um, that does kind of, you know, give us where we are with the strategic plan. You only reemphasize what Steve said, that we are definitely looking for those ideas, those questions. Knowing this great conversation we already had, although be it brief, really was dynamic in a way. I'm kind of listening to the comments and hearing this is what people are thinking, we don't necessarily have to have a big meeting. You can always share it with, with us at any time. Uh, we do have the article to distribute. Uh, it's a two-pager, I think, at least when I printed it out. And it does have a link. I've referenced Tim Keller a couple of times. There's a link at the bottom of it for the Tim Keller article. We're considering putting it in the baseline as well. Yeah, we will. We plan to put it in the baseline and have it electronically on an email, yes. Shannon and I were just talking. I appreciate the fact that you know we're we're here, we're together, we're talking about this, but I think this is a conversation 
this setting needs to happen again. I think there's a lot more that needs to be discussed. I mean, just just and, and heard and, and just to look through this document is wonderful and have it explained is great. I appreciate you know, the, the efforts and the time that everyone took into this. But I think there are still a number of unanswered questions, unaddressed points. And I, I mean, the, the last few documents were filled with tactics. And I see three for this. Yeah, th th this isn't finished. But don't wait for another meeting to talk. I mean, we want to continue. No, I, I think it's something. But well, I, I mean a corporate meeting, not not just one on one. A corporate discussion. I was I was just going to say, um, do we have a sense of how the congregation feels with what has been done up to this point, and, and how? Uh, Maybe time for a survey or something. Yeah. A, a, a survey, informal survey. But a survey. Yeah, getting feedback. Feedback from the last three meetings. Is that what you mean? No, I mean I mean well. With, with regard to the last three meetings, that'd be fine. But I mean, the changes that have been made with um, since since January, with the music, with with worship, you know, I, I, I mean, I just want to want to know if, if if people are, are sensing yes, this is helping. Worship is different now, and we like it. Or, or anecdotally, I would say the best feedback that I personally have heard. Um, I've heard some interesting questions about it too. So I think there has been maybe that individual comment or question, but I think the idea of maybe a survey might be good to at least get the, the pulse and then scheduling a time to be together again to even talk about those things that come out of that and to further discuss uh, where we are with worship. Yeah, the session needs more time to work out this plan and also to implement some things. So we'll, we'll get together. Thank you so much for being here for these four sessions. Attendance has been good. Feedback has been good. The, the outcome that we want, though, is in greater involvement. So uh, in each one of these areas, we hope you will have some interest and uh, jump in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the church, the church that you promised to build, that you said would prevail against even the gates of hell. We thank you that we can be a part of an eternal institution unique in this world. We pray that you will help us as a body to work well together in coordinated fashion, the hand, the head, the eye, the foot, working together. We pray that we might see each other continually as a family, brothers and sisters in Christ connected by the invisible bonds of our union in Christ, and that you would forge of us a faithful testimony, faithful to the scriptures and the Great Commission and Reformed Faith and the, and, and the need to reach to this community through the, through the Great Commission. We ask that you would lead us, and thank you for sustaining us this far. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.